Welcome in lacrosse fans to the Utah Lax Report. I'm your host, Tim Haslam. This episode includes an interview with Nikki Harding, who is the Westminster women's head coach and also the director of Intermountain Lacrosse. She's been around lacrosse for a long time here in Utah and, and has touched about every single aspect you can. And uh, is a, it's a great interview. Uh, if you like it, leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast player. Also, at the end of the post, the newsletter post today on, on Utah Lax report.substacks.com. I talk a lot about gratitude for the game and hope you'll share your gratitude for it this season as well and hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, coach. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it, it's not uh, you don't go you don't go through lacrosse in Utah without coming across the name Nikki Harding in, in some aspects. So this is uh, you're you're by far the most famous guest we've had so far. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I I have been around for a long time. <laughs> That's true. And in fact, I was thinking about this today. Um, I think you and I have probably been to the most championships high school championships consecutively, um, we're, we're probably right up there. You know, a lot of people may have been to just boys championships or just girls, but, but you and I, since for me, 2011, I know you're a little longer. Um, it, it was you and me at, at every game, boys and girls, you know, so those were some long days there at, at those championship days, but they were super fun. That, that's true. And some wet ones too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I, in fact, the first year that I was running Utah Lacrosse News, it was supposed to be at Westlake, but then that oh. was the year it rained really hard and flooded and, and had to get moved up to Park City, so. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yep. ton, tons of fun, but, but uh, like you mentioned, you, you have been part of this lacrosse scene for a long time. Where, where did you get started? How did you get started uh, in the lacrosse world? Um, my... I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, and although that wasn't a really big hotbed, my uh, some of my really close friends there, their family was from Boston area, and they had played lacrosse growing up, so I kind of knew about it, but then I actually didn't even start playing, though, until I uh, lived in Utah. I moved out here when I was 13, and my older sister had played lacrosse when we lived in Pennsylvania. And so when I was a senior in high school, one day, one, um, the, one of the coaches at Woods Cross High School came up to me and she's like, hey, my friend's trying to start um, some lacrosse out here. Haven't you, like, don't you play? Don't you know about it? Like, I think your sister played. And I was like, well, I've never played, but sounds fun. And so she's like, okay, well, uh, I'd love it if you could start a team. So I went home and I asked my dad if he would coach the team. And he was like, I guess. And then I got all my friends to play. That's awesome. And that was at Woods Cross High School. Um, how, how many girls, other girls teams were there at the time? Uh, I think at the time there were maybe four or six, yeah. maybe eight. Okay. Not very many. Right. Not very many at that time. That was in and 1998. Then, okay. And then you graduated. Um, and then did you go right into coaching at Woods Cross or did you have a break in between? No, I started coaching right after my dad was really excited to not have to be in charge anymore after I graduated. And so I started coaching that next year 
and I've just loved it ever since and been coaching um, since then. So, and, and you coached there and, and led the team to how many state championships? Oh man, I should know this off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, I think I'm pretty sure it was five. There were okay. five state championships starting uh, anyway in 98 in a row. Right. And then uh, after that, um, you became the first uh, women's head coach at Westminster and they still haven't uh, found a way to let you go. Right. Cause you're so great. Well, not quite, not quite. Okay. I got to give Sonny. Sonny was actually oh, the very right. first head coach at Westminster. Um, so she then, she brought me in from the ranks of the high school and I was her assistant coach that first year. And then she decided um, to move on to other things. And then I took over as head coach. Sure. And, and at your time at, at Westminster, you know, you transitioned from a, a WCLA school to now an NCAA school. What has been some of the challenges during that time and, and sort of, you know, what are, what are some of the things that maybe weren't, weren't expected as you made that transition? Um, I would say maybe for me, uh, the amount of time and the, um, all of the rules that the NCAA has, those are probably the things that I wasn't uh, ready for and expecting as I'm sure everyone's aware, recruiting in itself can just be a full-time job. And that is just part of, part of that, that uh, role as the coach there. Um, but it's been exciting and it's been fun to watch my team, to see them grow and develop. Um, every season, it seems like every fall, I'm like, oh, my team is going to be so good here, so much better than before. So it seems, seems we're going in the right direction. So. And, and talk a little bit about recruiting. You know, what, what's, uh, what's something that you look for um, as you're recruiting these players, right? Westminster is a unique school. It has sort of its own um, probably challenges that, that maybe other bigger schools don't. But what, what's something that you're looking for out, out of a student athlete? Uh, I think it's at Westminster, we're in Division Two, And so, I mean, the student is what comes first there. And so it's really important that um, they're someone who will fit in at Westminster. It's a smaller school and they don't have every discipline that you want um, to study there. And so it's really important that we find someone who academically, academically will fit in at Westminster. And so that's probably the very most important thing um, that we look for. And then of course, the um, as far as like athleticism goes, we look for multi-sport athletes, people who do more than just lacrosse. And, and what, the, for me personally, like I feel, I feel basketball is the most um, relatable sport to offensive minded lacrosse. Um, you know, do you care what sport they come from or, or is one sport better than another in your opinion? Um, no, I don't care. The bottom line is it doesn't matter as long as they're interested in other things and do more than one thing. Um, although there are plenty of players that, that um, specialize in lacrosse that are phenomenal players so so it's not that we don't get any that are that way but that is um anyway it's desirable but i do agree with you on the basketball aspect of things basketball players tend to make really great lacrosse players <laughs> sure um along those lines when when you're out recruiting um do you feel that uh, I, I guess for the listeners, uh, you know, obviously I, I don't know a ton about women's lacrosse and definitely very little about women's lacrosse recruiting. Uh, for, for men's players, though, it, it's in order for, a, say, a kid from Utah to get recognized by a Division One school. Obviously, we have the University of Utah here, but they typically have to travel 
uh, back back east uh, to to get seen. With the prevalence of of women's lacrosse, more it's more nationwide. Uh, I'd say at, at the college level than than the men's side. Do players here have to still travel back east to get noticed, or are there more events uh, for the women's side on the west coast? There are more events uh, on the women's side on the west coast. Um, so there are tournaments in California where they can go if they're looking for the Division One. Also, there are a couple of Division One schools who have found success in recruiting from Utah. So there are some schools that focus here on the girls' side and come look and um, for recruits here. Sure, and and I know that uh, you know, like the Pac-12 has women's lacrosse. There's a bunch of teams in California that that have women's lacrosse. San Diego State, uh, unfortunately, Fresno State folded this year. Um, but but for for girls in Utah playing lacrosse, it's an excellent opportunity to stay on the west west coast uh, and and go play at those schools. Um, talking about Westminster, what what are, what are some of the, the you know obviously last season was was cut short as you transition through the summer and, and now towards the fall and, and getting into the winter, what are some of the things that you've done as a team? Um, you, you know, first of all, like how often are you practicing, you know, that kind of thing, but then also how do you, how do you kind of manage a team without probably being together as much as you typically are? Yeah. Uh, this year, I'm sure everyone's <laughs> come into zoom meetings. So this year we've had our player meetings all on zoom. So um, we've done things on some things online. We did some workouts online back. This was back when it was starting. So like back in probably April after everything put down, we tried to stay connected a little bit as um, everything there, those players worlds was changing so much. We were trying to trying to help them and connect a little bit. So we did some player workouts back then, but as we came into the fall, um, we were able to have practices, but with additional protocols to with wearing masks and they we had to we had a phased in approach where we would um once we met certain criteria then we could move to doing more at practice so the first couple weeks of practice this fall were um things where they had to stay social distance so um and we couldn't have more than 10 people like in a group at a time and so uh, even though we were outside, we were taking lots of precautions. We also have to get COVID tested. Um, the whole team does. Um, we, we've um, split up into pods. And so the team is split up into like four different pods. And so a quarter of the team gets tested every week, but that continues to change. And so depending on what we're doing, if we, um, this fall, we were not able to travel or play um, against anybody. Um, but for those, those times and everyone has to get tested, like right before they travel, uh, anyway, there's a lot of precautions going on, but it was great, really great fall season. And the girls were so excited to come out and play. I remember our first practice when we came back, all of the girls were asking questions like, coach, do you think it's going to get canceled again? Like, I just, I really can't handle it if it gets canceled again. Like anyway, and so we've been really lucky that we didn't have to cancel um our fall ball and hopefully uh we'll be able to continue that into the spring season and get to play our conference games in the spring definitely and i'm assuming that that looking ahead to spring you, you know you're you're acting uh business business as normal uh type feel you're, you're scheduling games you're making practice plans as if uh, the schedule is going to happen is that right 
Uh, I mean, that is right, but we, our schedule is um, dialed back. So we don't have preseason, we don't have any preseason games um, or any non-conference games. So we start, our first game is scheduled for March 27th. And that will be the first time that this squad gets to actually play in a real game against another team. And, and uh, you're in the RMAC with, with other teams, uh, mainly Colorado. Are, are they uh, under the same guidelines? Will they have had other, other games or practice or, or against other competition, or will they be in the same boat? Uh, they're definitely in a similar boat. They might be able to get another game because they're closer to each other, so they might be able to play against another RMAC team um, to get an extra game in before the actual conference games start. Um, but the RMAC has rules and regulations and protocol, um, with playing as does the NCAA. So, and those seem to be something different all the time as, anyway, as we continue through this pandemic, so it does change. So, but, um, both of those, there are, um, certain protocols that we have to be able to follow to be able to, um, play games under there. Sure. And, and I talked uh, when, when I did my podcast with Coach Kerwin, who's the Westminster head coach, I, I mentioned this to him. And uh, let's talk about the lights at, at Dumkey Field. Uh, it's an exciting prospect. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's an exciting prospect to have potentially night games at, at, uh, at Westminster. Yes, it's so exciting that we were finally able to get the lights up and going. Um, we, uh, we actually practice kind of early in the morning. So we practice usually from 7.30 to 9.30. And so um, with the lights just this fall, it's been awesome to be able to have them on in the morning too. <laughs> but a night game will be, it'll be great for our games to get to play later um, and to just have more ability to be on the field. Definitely. But let's transition for, for those who don't know, Nikki is also employed at, at Intermountain Lacrosse. Um, you, you've been through a lot of different organizational changes there in the last, I don't know how many years, um, but, but talk about what your role is there and, and sort of what responsibilities you have. Sure. Um, yes, there have been lots of organizational changes over the last, well, I guess it's been a lot of years now. <laughs> um, I think I started, well, I know I started working for the Utah Lacrosse Association in 2005. Um, and at that time, I was just, there was just the director, Sonny um, Bartlett was actually the director, well, the, um, yeah, director, I guess that's what her role was called. And so it was her and I, and then I think one other person, um, anyway, that was running it. So we were doing all, all of the things at the time. And then over the years, it's changed, and now it's um, become Intermountain Lacrosse. And so in 2017 is when Intermountain Lacrosse came around and um, when they came around, I am now the director at Intermountain Lacrosse. And so um, with that, I oversee all of our operations that we do. So we and, have, and that, yeah. oh, sorry, I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, but we have a great staff that um, Colin Matson, who's been here for quite a few years now on the boy side, he is um, awesome at what he does in um, running the boys lacrosse here in Utah. So, and and as as the director of Intermountain Lacrosse, as you said, you know you're over a couple of different things. Um, it it's the boys uh, youth essentially, right? So kindergarten to eighth grade, and and maybe even uh, a freshman league, depending on how things shake out there. 
and then similar for the girls side and um and then also any coaches trainings um do you do referee trainings or are they all kind of on their own uh, the ref, I mean, we're trying to help support what they do. The refs have, on the women's side, the refs have a great, um, uh, the word that's coming to mind is regimen, but that's not the right word, but they have a great structure that they use to train and um, to develop their officials. And so we try to support them how we can. On the boys side, theirs isn't quite as structured. And it comes from U.S. lacrosse is where they get um, what they do. But on the boys side, they still have, um, they have training and things that they do and we're just, uh, we try to assist them a little bit more, uh, on that side to help grow the game here. Definitely. And, and what are some of the things that you're seeing, uh, you know, some of the challenges that teams are facing, obviously there's COVID, um, w which is challenging for anyone, but, um, in, in a world where there isn't COVID, what are you seeing as, as a challenge for, you know, the, the top level programs, the biggest programs, but then also, you know, some of these new programs that are trying to start. Sure. Um, with Intermountain Lacrosse, our strategic plan, we do that um, every year and our focus has been officiating and coaching. So trying to get um, better, um, better coach, uh, I don't know. Better coaches isn't quite what I mean, but like more educated and sure. well-rounded and knowing more a little bit about lacrosse and the sport out here. It, you know, a lot of our coaches that we have are new to the sport, which is great. And we have some training, uh, U.S. lacrosse actually through COVID now their level one training is all online. And so you can become level one certified um, and do all of that online now, which is awesome. And they um, anyway, so we, we've been focusing on those two things, on developing our coaches, and then also the officials have been the focus here. Definitely, and, and I actually took the level one last year and, and did an on did it on field, um, which was super cool. And and I even learned things that you know I, I've been around. Uh, so my first year in lacrosse was 2000, and uh, you know this was 2019, and there were things that 19 years later I I still hadn't learned. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, <laughs> but it was an awesome training. Yeah, it, it was an awesome training. I, I highly recommend any coach. I, I know that it's a, it's a requirement to coach, coach youth, and I know sometimes that's, that's hard. Um, but if you have the time, and, and now that it's online only, there's really no excuse to, to do that, right, to become level one certified. Right, right. And we also, for all of our coaches that do it, we, we pay for it too, so the coaches – we try to take that um, barrier away from them. So, definitely, and, and I actually just heard from Colin this week that the level two is now online. So I'm uh, I'm looking looking into doing that as well, um, which would be which would be pretty fun. I think it goes up to level three. Is there are there any levels after level three? Not yet. Uh -uh. Yeah. So it's a great it's a great program. It's a great opportunity. I I highly recommend it. Um, what are some of the, the different things that you kind of see coming down the pipeline? Obviously with, with COVID, you know, there's going to be the, the temperature checks and I am lax was on the forefront of, of getting the, the, um, what would you call it? The pre-screening, um, mm -hmm. app in place, uh, through a, a connection. Um, and so there's that, but, but what do you see kind of coming down the pipeline, maybe in the next year, two years, three years, four years, what are some of the challenges that, that Utah might face? Um, I think, I think the girls lacrosse actually is going to, um, explode here in the next little while. I think that with, um, it being sanctioned at the high school, I know that last year was the first year that it was, but with COVID it, 
kind of got shut down. And so we didn't quite get the season that everyone thought would happen or the experience or the, you know, new players participating. But I think that as that continues and now this year with, um, I think almost all of the school districts on board um, with the sanctioning, now there's just going to be so much more opportunity for girls to participate and play um, at that older, at the older level. So then I think that that will help and make it um, on the younger level. So there'll be more, it'll be more visible and people will know about it and people will want to participate. So I think in the next little while, I think girls across is really going to take off here in Utah. But with that, the challenges are um, the coaching. There's a lot of people because girls across is different. They are different rules than boys lacrosse. And so um, with that, people seem to be a little bit more scared of, <laughs> scared of it. Um, and um, we are trying to do, we're bringing back, we used to do these laxables where we had these, um, it was the father-daughter lacrosse day. Um, but we're going to try to bring some of those back this next year and have a parent-child uh, lacrosse day on the girl side. So um, these girls can bring their parents and they can come and um, both learn how to play um, and learn a little bit about the women's game and not be so scared of it. So sure. hopefully that will that will work. I think that's going to be one of our challenges as we see more girls who want to participate as the sanctioning continues. Definitely, and that makes sense, right? It, as you get more interest at the top level, it, it trickles down over time. Um, it, you know, when when you and I played in in the early two thousands, uh, probably 12, 15 high school teams. You know, there was definitely no like if you were fourth, fifth grade, no teams. You know. If you were sixth grade, maybe, but that involved driving to like Sandy and they just kind of threw all the sticks in the rings and then you played a scrimmage, you know? So yeah, it's, it's definitely growing as that high school level in, in grows and increases. Um, I, I'm definitely on board to, to host one of those uh, festivals in Farmington. I, I have three daughters and so um, I, I need to get them on the, on the train. Ouch. <laughs> For, uh, for women's lacrosse. No, I, I joke with my friends who, when we talk about women's lacrosse, they say, I'm not kidding guys. Like the, you know, they've never been to a, a women's lacrosse game. I've maybe been to 20, 25. Um, and I say, every time I go, I learn a new rule. Um, <laughs> and so. Well, I will say in your defense, over the last couple of years, there have been a lot of rule changes on the girls side. They've been working on making it a faster paced game. Um, and so a lot of people uh anyway need to watch a game because it has changed a lot and it is it is a fun game to watch and there's a lot of scoring going on and so it's anyway it's back and forth and not as much stoppage of play as it has been in the past definitely and i, and I think that will will certainly help so uh, you know there there's also people in in the men's and women's circle that say it's a it's a more pure game right because it relies more on stick skills and less on physicality, which uh, there's some games where you watch and go, wow, this is really pretty. You know, this is great lacrosse. And, and so I, I think there probably could be an argument made for that. Have you looked, have you seen the new uh, six on six lacrosse that, that the world organization announced? Um, I just really quickly, uh, someone sent me a text with it. So I started watching uh, the news about it, but I haven't really I, taken I, a lot of I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, and I think I think that will I be even more eye-opening for for both circles as well because that's even faster. <laughs> and so yeah. um, it, it's kind of exciting. It it actually reminds me a lot of the Super Sevens that's played on the women's side every fall that the Tribal West puts on. 
you know, they're pulling yeah. the goal out of the back of the net and, and just putting it into play, which, which actually is really fun. And a lot yeah, of the boys teams exactly. have learned that this year because of COVID and they've gotten rid of the face off. And so, uh, yeah. you know, I think, exactly. I think a lot of people have gotten a taste for it. And personally, this is me, you know, I, I love it. Uh, not that I don't love face offs, but I just love the quick play of pulling it out of the net and you're ready to go. It just makes a lot of sense. It's true. That has been the biggest complaint I think that we've heard from um, this last little while as we've been playing seven on seven at the youth level um, this last year we did um, is the pace of the game that the kids get so tired they can't keep up with it. Interesting. So, yeah. That has been a, a concern. Absolutely. Along those lines, what's something in the women's game that you would change that that still maybe isn't quite right or or that you think if you did this or this, that it would be better? That is a great question. Uh, hmm. I don't I've never I'm not that uh, apparently I'm not that kind of coach that I'm looking for a way to make it better. <laughs> I think your answer is the crease dive, right? Yeah, right. No, <laughs> not the crease dive. <laughs> um, what what's uh, what's been your favorite lacrosse memory? Hmm. Well, I have a lot of really awesome, awesome. Awesome things, but probably my most recent favorite memory of actual playing like in a game would be, I think maybe now it might've been three years ago at Westminster. Um, it was a home game and we were playing Regis who is always in the top 20 in division two in the nation. And um, they go back to the, the um, tournament um, every year, at least the last few years when we've been part of their conference, they have. Um, we were playing them and we took them to overtime and um, the, after, after that game, I mean, it was disappointing that we came up with a loss, but um, after that game, it was just, it was awesome. And like, I still sometimes talk about, it. I'm like, well, do you remember that one time that we like, we beat and I'm like, no, we didn't beat, wait, we didn't beat. They actually beat us, but <laughs> I just remember we just, we just did so well. The defense was able to like stop them and they were having a really hard time. Um, scoring and then on our end we were able to uh, make those connections and make it happen and so it was anyway that was a pretty pretty awesome game sure what what do you remember yeah definitely what what do you remember in in the early days of of Utah lacrosse you know did you ever did you ever picture that it would be this big and obviously we have a long ways to go but did you ever think like wow this could really turn into you know a, a state that has hundreds of teams from top to bottom and a division one men's team, you know what I mean? Like, did you ever think that would happen? Um, I, I think I always like was hoping that that would happen, but I guess I never really thought it would happen probably in the time frame that it did. Sure. I think that we've been really, it's been awesome. Um, so since, like I said, I've been here for a really long time and we've got this kind of growth chart data that we put together and it's on average over the years that it's about like, um, I, so we see growth and growth and then we'll get like kind of flatlined and then growth and growth and flatlined for a little bit. But during those growth periods, it's usually about 20% growth, which is kind of crazy, um, that it's continued to stay pretty consistent with that. Um, and so it's, it's exciting, all the changes and there's just, there's so much going on now. I can't, I cannot 
any longer tell people that I probably have something to do with like all the lacrosse I see in Utah. So there's just so much more going on. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. And, and the crazy part is Nikki's we still have room, room to grow, right? You know, you look at, there's high schools on the West side and in Salt Lake that don't have it. There's even, or, you know, schools that used to have it like a Murray or a Cottonwood. Um, and so, you know, the, the ceiling is still very high and and there is that way to go. And in my opinion, um, similar to what you're talking about, obviously we'll need educated coaches, trained coaches, officials, um, and, and just kind of more of it. I think too, as we start to get into the generational, um, times and, and what I mean is, you know, people our age are having kids that will then play in these systems. That way you have parents who are part of it who have been part of it and they'll be able to teach their kids and then I I think obviously when we get into that third generation which is many years away for you and I um I I think then then that will even you know help it grow even more and and we will start to see that and and it's exciting yeah it is it's been it's been so fun to be part of it it's it's great to see uh anyway just see we were uh, Dan Dugan, who's the current president at I Am Lax, um, who has been, he was like the president of the ULA. So he's also been around for a long time um, and volunteering, giving his time. He actually had two daughters that never played lacrosse. So he played lacrosse when he was uh, younger, but uh, his kids never even played out here. But um, he was just here in the office uh, yesterday and we were kind of, we were like reminiscing about like all different people who's been involved and kind of like how crazy it's been the ride and um, just how amazing it is where we're at today and the things that we were able to get done with such great people within our community. Sure. You know, and, and this really all started with, you know, four or five people <laughs> putting together a couple teams. Right. And, and that's, that's uh, how it, how it began. Um, which is pretty cool. And anything else you want to hit on? Anything else you want to talk about? Mm. Well, now that you're asking, I don't know. <laughs> no worries. I had all these things in my mind that I wanted to make sure we talked about. <laughs> no worries. I I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time today, and and obviously, um, you know, the this the state owes you a big thanks for all the things that you've done uh, in the lacrosse world, and I know you do it because you love the sport. In fact, isn't your license plate uh, even lacrosse related? It used to be. Ah, okay. It used to be. (laughs) And uh, what was it? Was it WC lac? What was it? Yeah, it was Woods Cross lacrosse. Okay. Yeah. That's right. And when when we, when I coached there, um, I coached with my sister and with Angie Lee and we had the nicknames of coach one, coach two and coach three. So my license plate said Woods Cross Lacks One because I was coach one. I see. So. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks again, Nikki, and, and best of luck uh, this season for Westminster, and, and obviously with all the things that you're doing at I Am Lacks. And let's hope that uh, you know we can we can have as normal seasons as possible next year. And and uh, let's keep in touch. Awesome. Thank you.